Welcome to Life Talks with Lauren. This podcast is all about having conversations around what's real for us and swapping shame and judgment for courage and connection. We'll cover topics like self-love, relationships, body image, mental health, and so much more. Think of it like getting together with one of your good friends and chatting about life. So grab your glass of wine, mug of tea, or your favorite drink, and let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Life Talks with Lauren podcast. This week, I'm going to talk about something that I guess I usually assume people aren't interested in, but I hear a lot about like questions on like, how do I start a gym journey? How do I stay consistent? And I was just talking to someone the other day about that, that like, one thing I don't think people realize about me is that one of my biggest passions is the gym. And it's something I've been doing for so many years that I don't really even think about it or talk about it that much. I just like, I'll post on my stories on Instagram here and there. And then since I had that conversation, I have started posting about it a little bit more. But in general, it's just kind of something I do behind the scenes. And it's funny because when I start to talk about it, I like sometimes people will be like, good job, keep it up. Or I've gotten like condescending remarks from especially men at the gym or that know that I'm like working out and they're like, yeah, keep it up. And I think that comes from the assumption that if you're going to the gym, it's for a particular goal and that maybe the journey is weight loss and they see me at my size and they're like, oh, she's naturally trying to get smaller or I don't know, more muscular or whatever. So like keep it up. But I'm going to talk a little bit about that journey in this episode because I want to talk about the evolution of my gym experience and how it's changed over the years and my mentality around it and why I think now I'm able to stay consistent with it. And it's not even something I like think about. I just, like I said, just go and do it. I wrote an essay for my, um, my degree, my, my writing, I all of a sudden forgot what my degree is in creative writing. In the one of my first semesters, I wrote a nonfiction story about or not really story, I guess, um, an essay. I don't know. I you know what I came I was thinking I'm like, Oh, my I've had such clarity and thought this week. And my journal entries have been so great. I should record a podcast episode. And all of a sudden, I'm coming on here. And I'm like, I was actually nervous before I hit record, which is really strange because I never get nervous before I record episodes. I'm just like, so like, I just enjoy it so much, you know, but I got nervous. And I think that maybe it's because this is something that I, that it is such a long journey. I want to make sure I get it right. So I jotted down a few notes and I'll go through it. But anyway, as I was saying, I, I, I wrote an essay about my experience and how that relationship with the gym has evolved over the years or just exercise and body movement in general. And my professor suggested that I submit it for publication in some kind of magazine because she felt like other people need to hear the story. So again, I think that for me, it feels just so natural, but for other people, maybe there's going to be some information in this episode that you want to hear. So I'm just going to dive right into where movement began for me. I was surprised, one of the chubbier kids in school, and I started being teased for my weight at a pretty young age. 
I want to say maybe around the eight-year-old mark, you know, when you're just kind of like starting to come into your body and I, I was bigger than a lot of the girls in my class in stature, which now I understand, like I still am that way. I'm just kind of built more broad and I'm tall. I'm, you know, five, nine now. So I was taller than all my peers and just wider. And in general, like I did have like a belly that stuck out and like, you know, when you're young, you're not thinking about sucking in or anything. You're just wearing what you want. So I would wear what I wanted And then it was people started pointing out, you know, that my belly was sticking out, that I had a big belly and maybe I should diet and exercise, you know, especially growing up in the nineties was brutal. Everyone was super skinny and then everyone's moms were on diets and stuff. So here I was just kind of, you know, stuck out a little bit. And so when we would do things like play tag or I don't know, do recess and stuff, I didn't want to be very active. Like I felt like it was a lot of work. Remember like my lungs burning whenever they would make us run like a random lap. I could maybe jog like a quarter of a lap or something like that. And so movement to me at that time just wasn't fun. I just felt like it was exhausting. It was a lot of work and no one ever taught me that if that it's normal, that it's going to be difficult at first. And then as you get, as you do it more often, it gets easier. So I hadn't really had an introduction into how the body works in terms of movement and exercise and, and that progression. And I wanted to join sports at a young age, but that was something just didn't work financially for our family and for, you know, rides and stuff to and from extracurriculars, just my parents were busy. And so it didn't work out. And it wasn't until I was around 15 when I got serious about like I had started putting myself on quote unquote diets from the first time I consciously remember doing it is like I was maybe 10 or 11 and I had watched my mom go through so many diets that I just kind of got a sense of what to do. So I started kind of dabbling in that but never really saw results. And then when I was around 14, I think I was about 14, I just got fed up of being ignored and overlooked by all the boys in my class and like even friends I felt like I was treated differently by girls like girl groups didn't really accept me and I was like at that time I had gotten the message that it was because of my weight and so I was like you know maybe if I lose weight then people will like me and so I got really serious about losing weight And I told my mom, like, hey, mom, I want to lose 50 pounds. And and my mom, again, I grew up, she's a product of the 90s, the 80s, whatever. Also those intense beauty standards. And so, like I said, I had watched her go on multiple different types of fad diets, watched her take diet pills. I, you know, like, I think even when she was pregnant with my brother, she was like doing jazzercise in the mall, (laughs) I want to say. And so she also was always in the gym and she was always taking like exercise classes, like aerobics classes and stuff. So I remember we joked growing up that like, cause she'd get home from work and then she'd change and then she'd go to the gym and we joked like, oh, she's going to go to her boyfriend, Jim's house. And so I grew up kind of seeing my mom going to the gym as if that were like nothing as well. Like it was just a habit of hers and I was intrigued, but I didn't really understand what it entailed. 
So up, up to that point, like, I just was like, I want to know more. I want to know what this whole gym experience is like. So I told my mom I wanted to lose 50 pounds. She said, if you lose 25, if you get halfway to your goal, I'll buy you a gym membership. Because in her mind, she wanted to see that I was willing to actually commit and be consistent, that it wasn't something that she was going to invest her money in. And then all of a sudden I was just going to fall off of it. So she bought me a video to help me kind of get things kickstarted. So I remember it was a, it was called yoga Lotties, which I think now is called like Pio Pio. And it's that exercise is completely, completely different than I think what this was for me, this, this video was very gentle. It was like very gentle yoga and Pilates moves put together. So I started doing that three times a week and then like twice a week, maybe she also had got me this like dancing video, which is funny. If anyone is in the online business world, maybe, you know, who Marie Forleo is because Marie Forleo, this is like a whole separate tangent but she ended up becoming a big part of my life later on in life, which is so funny that I was like dancing to fitness videos with her instructing in them when I was 14 years old. So I started doing that a few times a week as well. And I really didn't change much about my eating habits. Like my mom would just tell me like, Oh, eat smaller portions. And she would help me out. She'd like, she knew I loved fries. So she would bake them for me instead of eating like fast food fries And you know, you're young, so the weight just kind of like fell off. And so I finally earned my gym membership and I started going to classes with her, which I really enjoyed. I even started, she wasn't a huge fan of spin class, but I did a few spin classes with her because I remember she would do them with my sister. My sister loved them too. My sister was also very weight obsessed. I think our entire family was. And I remember like spin was supposed to be like the, you know, the hardest thing. And so we had gone a few times and I actually enjoyed it so much that for Christmas one year, my mom got me one of those like cushiony bike seats. And so, so it helped my butt hurt a little worse after classes, but I didn't stay too consistent with it to where I don't even know if I ever used it. But anyway, that was like my introduction into the gym. And I think it was a really positive introduction other than the fact that I had grown up seeing my mom use the gym as a weight loss tool. So it would always be like, oh, I've put on a few pounds or like I've put on weight this summer. I need to get back into the gym. And because my goal was to lose weight, that's what I also was like, oh, I have to go to the gym to lose weight. So that was kind of planted in my head that like people go to the gym to lose weight. Like that's why we work out is to lose weight. And then my perspective started to kind of change when I joined the track team was it my either my sophomore or junior year I can't remember exactly but I joined with my best friend like because I think by the time you get into high school that was the only sport you could do where you didn't have tryouts or anything you just showed up and you just joined and by then I had a job and I had a car so I was able to finance it myself so yeah so my best friend and I signed up we started going to practices which were six days a week And I remember I started out thinking, oh, I'll be in the long distance side of things. Like I'll be a long distance runner, not knowing that like you probably had to have experience to be able to do that. And we tried to do our first, our first day of practice. They're like, oh, we're just going to run an easy three miles. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) 
I made it probably like two blocks and then was like, this isn't for me. So I joined the sprinting team and I was the, I was probably the slowest on the team, but I was like my first glimpse of working really hard and how, what that does, how that pays off and how just again, like consistently showing up creates changes and positive changes because I would show up to every practice and give it my all. And I would see my coach really encouraging me and noticing the difference in my performance. Now for the season, we were only in for one season and I still finished probably the slowest on the team, but I had made so much progress and I had seen that change in just a few things, like even my attitude and stuff. And so I just I started to think of exercise also as like a mental tool to strengthen my my mind to teach me that I can, I guess, do hard things. So then I didn't really, I don't know, from then I went to the gym, like I said, and then um, from my last few teenage years living at home and then Uh, right before I joined the Air Force, I was partying a lot. So I don't think I was really consistent in exercising, but I would like take myself on runs here and there. Like, I don't think I could afford a gym membership when I moved out either. And I only lived on my own for a year before I joined the Air Force. So I went to basic training and that was another experience where I started to develop mental strength because When you're in basic training, like you kind of have no choice but to keep up. I mean, if if you don't mind being yelled at, maybe, but I mean, you have to pass fitness tests and things anyway. So there's a big incentive for you to try. And I hate being yelled at. I hate being in trouble. I like to kind of fly under the radar. So when we first started, one of the requirements for the fitness test is like a mile and a half run within a certain amount of time. And so PT consisted of like five o'clock morning runs on the pad. I think they called it the pad. And at first they'd be like, yeah, it's, it's three miles. I don't know why that three miles always gets me. And they're like, okay, three, like three miles, or it was like 30 minutes timed. I can't remember, but they were like, the only thing you have to do is just not stop. So run at whatever pace. And in the beginning I was assigned to the slow group because I was a very slow runner. And I remember the misery of just thinking, just don't stop, just don't stop running. Cause you have people watching you and getting ready to scream at you if you stop. So I started in the slow group and then I started improving and was moved up to the medium pace group. And I actually started to really enjoy it, especially in basic training where it was something that is just kind of an eight week mind game. So the physical aspect was really helping me in feeling more grounded and centered throughout the days. And so as I graduated basic training and went into what is called tech school for my job, I, we still had PT and stuff. And I really started getting into running to where it was normal for me to just run three miles a day. Maybe that's where it started where I was just like, well, three miles sounds like a good number. That's what everyone seems to say that you should run. So I just started running three miles a day. They had an outdoor track next to our dorms and it got to the point where that was like my happy time every day. And everyone was like, how are you so dedicated to running? I was like, (laughs) I was like four scum. Like (laughs) I was running and I just like, couldn't stop. Like, 
even when we would be able to have like a fun PT where everyone's like playing ultimate football or something in the center of the field, I would just be jogging around them because I've always had a really anxious, active mind. And I noticed that when I exercise and when I move my body, it's one of the only times during the day where I can actually get my mind to quiet down. So I think that's where I started to become really not addicted like in a negative way, but I felt really like like it was a practice that was more than just about what I looked like externally. And that especially became evident because I stopped really worrying about what I was eating and stuff. I just was like enjoying life and I wasn't like actively dieting. I I was just, you know, like I said, like it, it was just something I, exercising was just something I did. And then as I left tech school and went to England for my first duty station, it was kind of the same thing. It was just like I got there and I lived in the dorms and there was a track right next door. And I loved especially like the sunset runs where I would go on the track and like perfect breeze, perfect weather. And I would just at that point allow myself to run for as long as I wanted. And sometimes like I would just keep running and running and um, like hit, I'd be like, oh, I'm at seven miles. Might as well keep going. Hit like 10 miles. Like it, it just, I don't know. I loved it. And as I was there longer, I was drinking a lot. I was like not really paying attention to what I was eating and I started gaining weight. And at first it didn't really bother me because I was just like, well, I'm still really in shape. I'm still really active. And so like, doesn't really matter. But then I like saw a picture of myself when I went home on leave and was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Why did nobody tell me? So then I started working out again for the purpose of weight loss and then watching what I ate. And the people I worked with saw the results that I had and they were like, oh my God, teach me your ways. So I started bringing other friends into the gym with me. And actually, when did I start getting into weightlifting? I think I skipped a little part where during this time, one of these times I went home to visit on leave and my brother took me into the weight room. And that was another place that I really felt at home was in the weight room. So I took that back to England with me. And yeah, I started training people for fun. Then one of my coworkers started paying me to like meal prep for her and then take her into the gym and she was seeing results. But then as soon as I stopped meal prepping for her, she like lost the results. And But I started to think like, oh, maybe this is something I'm good at that I can do for a living. During that time, though, I still kind of had a warped relationship with food and my body just because of what I grew up seeing. And so I still thought that like I needed to be really thin and really strict with how I ate. I thought that that was the solution that like, oh, I've always been naturally chubby, which means that I have to fight against my body for the rest of my life in order to be thin because I thought that being thin was the goal. Like that's why, again, that's why... I don't know. It sounds so contradictory. I think because I consciously was aware of this at times and then consciously not aware of it, just kind of depending on what I was going through. But then when I met my then boyfriend, now husband, I've talked about this story a few times where we started dating and right before we got together, I was very, I was on a very strict exercise and diet plan. So I was at my smaller size 
And then as we were a few months into dating, I stopped going to the gym because my normal gym time, like I'd wake up at 4am and go before work. I've just always loved doing that. And so I stopped doing that because I wanted to lay in bed with him like naturally. And then on the weekends or weeknights, we would order takeout. We ordered so much takeout and Jason has like such a fast metabolism. It's fine. He can eat whatever he wants and still literally have a six pack. And me personally, that's not my experience. So I started to gain weight. I noticed that he kind of started to respond to me differently in some ways and asked him about it. And I was like, is it, are you less attracted to me because I've gained weight? And he said, yes. And that put me into a huge shame spiral of, I am not going to be worthy enough for a good partner unless I'm a certain size. And that I would say was the catalyst for the first unhealthy exercise obsession that I developed because not long after that whole incident, I had separated from the Air Force and Jason and I did long distance. So he was in England for seven months while I went and lived with my brother. And immediately, first of all, my thought process was, okay, I'll just get a career in the field of exercise of like the gym, whatever. That way I, it'll always keep me accountable for staying in shape and staying thin or whatever. So I immediately got, I was like, I've, I was on, um, unemployment for a few months. And so I was like, now's a perfect time to get certified as a personal trainer. So I got certified through the national Academy of sports medicine. I did the like self-study program, took me a few months, went in, took the test, passed it. And I got my certification. At the same time, I was also getting really into bodybuilding for the first time, and I had started to aspire to be in a bodybuilding competition, but like a bikini. So for women, that's the more thin, like toned versus like, I guess, more muscular version of it. So I got on Instagram. That was when it was like always everyone was following all the fitness models. That's all you would see all over your feed. I got really, really into a bodybuilder's diet and I went on a three month kind of plan where I was like, no cheat meals for three months, no alcohol, no, like I have to stick to this plan to the T and I did exactly that and I saw really great external results, but again, that started to really propel my attitude toward food and movement and my body. So because I was comparing myself to these, I guess, elite, which again, we've been conditioned to believe that they're elite and that they're the healthiest among people, which is a story for another time. But I started comparing my body to these women that were already naturally like a smaller build who would then get into these competitions and do really well. It's either that or people who had severe like eating disorders who in order to sustain that, that physique, which no, it's, it is a sport. It's not necessarily a way of life. I know some people can sustain it. And again, it's kind of a controversial topic because I'm not saying everyone that's in it is like messed up in the head when it comes to that, but a lot of people are, and a lot of people develop eating disorders as a result of being involved in the sport. And so I didn't really understand what I was getting myself into. And 
Um, I still, but it still was like the first time that I started training really like hard in a, in a way that I hadn't before. And I liked to see the way that my body would change, that my physique completely changed. So that to me was really rewarding. So I enjoyed those aspects of it, but it got to a point where it was like I was becoming more and more obsessive every day. And then exercise started to become more of a chore and a punishment than something that I enjoyed doing, which again, I enjoyed doing it because I challenged myself, but I would freak out if I missed a day or went off plan for a day. And yeah, it just got to a point where like I would any sort of social invitations I would turn down because I was afraid to miss a workout or afraid that I might be tempted to eat the wrong foods. So that was like a combination of an intensifying disordered eating pattern. And then along with, again, developing an unhealthy relationship with the gym. I started intermittent fasting and that's when things really started to get to a point where I was like, I can't live like this anymore because I would come home. Like I suspect I was never, I don't say that I had it because I was never officially diagnosed, but my symptoms matched the diagnosis uh, criteria perfectly for binge eating disorder, which was something I hadn't been aware was a thing because I had thought like, well, it seems like I have bulimia, but without the purging. Cause I would binge really intensely, but then I wouldn't purge because I just couldn't bring myself to do that. I had tried a few times, but you know, never actually like followed through with it. It was just to me, to me, it seemed more glaringly obvious if I were to purge that like, oh, I had an eating disorder. So I would binge, but the binges felt so unconscious to where I felt like someone else was in charge of my body during those times. And then the shame after a binge was just astronomical. Like I, I felt like the most disgusting. I felt like such a fraud because I preached this healthy lifestyle. And that was my whole personality for a while. All about just, oh, you need to eat this and you need to exercise this way and yada yada. And so meanwhile, in secret, I would be out like buying a whole pizza and a whole pint of ice cream and eating it all in one sitting and being like physically sick afterwards, not knowing why I couldn't stop myself from doing it. And so once I addressed that, another part of this that I forgot to mention is that I never used my, my personal training certification because I started to think, well, if I train somebody like once a week and then nothing beyond that, is it really going to change their lives? So that's why I also got certified as a holistic health coach. And then I never used either of those because the deeper I got into that stuff, the more it felt very, not necessarily cultish, but very preachy. Seemed like everyone was just kind of on a high horse saying, this is what you do. You have to do it this way. Otherwise you're doing it wrong. There was a lot of shame involved in that culture as well. And I just, I, something didn't feel right about it all to me. And that especially became apparent as I got deeper into this whole spiral of having an unhealthy relationship with food and exercise in my body. And so when I was like, okay, I need to, I need to figure out what this is and I need to heal it. That was when 
actually that was around the time I joined health coaching school and some of the concepts that I learned in health coaching school really helped heal me because they were like, there is no one size fits all. Uh, everyone could eat the same exact way and not everyone would look the same way. Or I learned something called the crowd out method where instead of taking foods out of your diet, you add more of what you want to eat or what you think that you should be eating or whatever, what's better for you. So instead of restricting, you're just adding things so that you don't feel like you're deprived, which a lot of that deprivation mentality is what fueled my binge eating disorder, or again, what I suspect to have been binge eating disorder. Another random thing is that I've had a sore throat for the past few days, so I don't know what I was thinking recording an episode, but I, I just, again, I felt this was important to talk about. So if that, if my voice sounds a little bit more deep and scratchy than usual, that's why maybe I sound a little bit sexier. Um, but, but yeah, that's so when I realized that I was starting to have a problem and I didn't want it to get any worse, I took a break and that's when I really listened to the wisdom from my health coaching school, which was strange because the school also had a lot of preachy stuff in it, but I kind of just mind dumped all of that and paid more attention to the stuff that seemed to be helping me at the time. I also dove really bit deep into like body positivity and podcasts around body acceptance and books and things. So I was learning more about just the human body and again, how all of us are just built differently. And then I started to grieve the reality that my body would never look the way that I envisioned that it would, no matter how hard I worked. And even if it did get to a close point of that, it was unsustainable for my body type. And that took many years. So during that time, I actually even took a break from the gym because I knew I needed to reassess my relationship with exercise and bring it back into something that I found enjoyable. So I... Like I said, took a few years off. I, during that time, focused more on healing my relationship with food. I avoided any really talk of weight loss or anything that would start to take me back down that shame spiral and make me think that I was wrong for existing in my body. And what's crazy is that the binge eating symptoms, which I had had off and on since I was actually a little girl without really knowing what it was, I had done the same thing I would eat until I was sick and didn't really understand the concept of like hunger and fullness. And that was something I also learned when I studied health at every size and body positivity was like those tools that help you realize that like the way that your body, how to be more in partnership with your body than just trying to control everything that you did. Cause like we're naturally, we want to rebel against control. And so I found myself rebelling so often, especially when I was really strict. So I actually haven't had a binge eating episode in maybe five years or something, which is crazy to me. And I think that's sometimes why this this topic is so complex because there's so many moving parts. It's not just about exercise for me. It was about how I thought about health, how I thought about size, how I thought about habits And so I think what really helped with repairing how I, how I approached the gym was 
reading the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. There's a reason why that's a very popular book. It's one of the best books I've ever read. It genuinely did change my life in the way that I approach habits. And then again, not seeing exercise as a tool to punish my body or to try and change it or lose weight, but more so for me, something that was a way to become mentally stronger and even just as a mental health tool in general to where it's like going to my therapist's office. It's like, I totally, I think I just had a total lisp. It's like going to my therapist's office every week and, or every, every day really. So when I, let's see, let's see. So I was kind of working on repairing that and then the pandemic hit and obviously we all had to take however long off the gym And I had kind of started to go back into a shame spiral because during that year, I gained 30 or so pounds. And, you know, just I was put on like blood pressure medication. I think that kind of had an impact and and just like other things. I, I think a lot of people gained weight during that time. But anyway, when we moved to, we got orders and moved to Japan And then I started to get back into the gym for the first time in like a year. By this time, I was really feeling like I was ready to start approaching the gym, like intensifying my workouts again, but in a healthy way this time to more just push my body and see what it was capable of. So I started working out again, but I also joined roller derby. And roller derby, I don't know, I just feel like everyone needs to do a sport at least once in their lives because roller derby has taught me so many things about humility, listening to feedback, not being so such a perfectionist. I can also be such a perfectionist. And so when I first would start getting feedback, I would get really defensive. So being more, I started to learn to be more coachable and understanding that it was for the it was for my benefit to actually listen to experts and what they had to say and start to get in tune with my body you know you're doing a new sport especially imagine on roller skates and you're telling your body to do something and your body wants to do the complete opposite so that was really challenging too it was frustrating because for the first six months or so i was like why am i doing this i suck so bad at this no matter how hard i'm trying i feel like such an idiot and you know had to work on my self-talk also with that but then I was yeah I was intensifying my workouts beyond that but still I feel like I could have pushed myself harder I've I've been cautious for the last few years about how I approach anything with food or exercise because I don't want to get back into that negative place but when I broke my ankle this year that's when things really became um, I don't even know how to describe it. It it just changed. <laughs> I say all of this, all of these moments, but a lot of the, what I'm sharing here were pivotal moments. And that's why I'm sharing them because they were like epiphanies that I had. And so at that point, exercise became when I joined, um, when I joined, why am I spacing rehabilitation, physical therapy, that became a matter of strengthening my ankle and building it back up so I had a goal in mind there and 
through that experience, through physical therapy, I learned a lot of exercises, like having someone there to push me. I started to really see results. And then I took that back to the gym when physical therapy was over. I took that to the gym with me for my own personal sessions. And I started to see the results of how much strength and endurance and all the ways my body changed and watching my ankle just go from like not even being able to flex it to then being able to like balance on one foot on an upside down BOSU ball while throwing a ball back and forth to somebody for three minutes. And then I started running again and sprinting and doing agility training and All of it became not only for the goal of strengthening my ankle, but so that I could get back into roller derby mentally and physically stronger than ever. And I think all of those things now tie together as an incentive for me to continue showing up to the gym day in and day out. And this is where it gets tricky and I have a hard time giving people advice for the gym because because so many people come to me or just come in like Facebook groups say, with the the declaration of hey i'm really i just had a baby six months ago and i i really want to get back into the gym so i can lose the baby weight so a lot of it is centered around weight loss i don't want to be the one to tell somebody that that shouldn't be your focus so instead i just kind of don't say anything because i know we all have different goals in mind and again as i just shared my goal is to to use it as a mental health tool because it's the only place that my mind actually like shuts down as um, a tool for me to get stronger for, for roller derby. So that's an important point is that I have goals that may change over the years of why I'm in the gym, but I always have a reason that's beyond a simple weight loss goal because the reality of it is we can't always control what our bodies do and how they look. So you might show up and be thinking like, I'm going to go to the gym and work out this many times a week and do these kind of exercises and eat this way because I've been told this is how I'm going to see results. But your body is so individual that maybe you won't see results. And then you'll think, well, what am I doing all of this for? What's the point? And then you'll stop showing up. Either that or you're doing things that you don't enjoy Maybe you don't even like being in the gym at all, but you think that you should because everybody says that like the gym is all the rage, but you would rather be outside running on a trail or hiking somewhere. Maybe you have such a, an unrealistic expectation of what your gym session should look like. It should be an hour and a half long and this is what I should be able to do and yada yada. Maybe you have these ex- expectations of how you should progress over the months And so the most important thing I've learned about my journey with the gym is that it is a lifelong journey, that it is going to ebb and flow depending on the seasons of my life. Like I said, depending on what my goals are at any given moment. But what I do know is that the gym is the one place that I get to show up exactly as I am every single day and meet myself where I am that day. So Even today, as an example, like I said, my throat's kind of been hurting. I haven't been 
feeling so great. And so I told myself that like, okay, I'm still going to show up because I do feel there are times where depending on how sick I am feeling, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to skip today. And I'm completely fine with that. But today as an example of feeling like, okay, I could still show up, but I'm just, I'm going to have to allow my body to tell me what level of intensity I can do because today was a full body day for me, which usually includes pretty intense movements. Like, like I said, I'll do like plyometrics, agility work and things like that. So I push myself pretty hard on this day, but I said to myself, if I don't want to do any of the agility or that kind of work, then I don't have to, but I'll still show up and do my warm up and then see what I, what I feel capable of from there. So I did the Stairmaster as my warm up, and then I got into the weight room and I felt like, you know what, I think I can do this. Like I'm feeling pretty strong actually. So I did do a little bit of the footwork and, and speed work and things like that. And that was great for me. But if it had gone the other way and I felt like, you know, I'm going to take it easy today, that would have been completely fine as well. There is no shame or guilt allowed in my gym experience. And no two days at the gym really look the same for me because I am a a dynamic human being and I feel differently every day. And I think that's what helps me is knowing that like, it's like being enveloped in a warm hug from somebody who accepts you unconditionally that I'm not paying attention to what anybody else is doing in the gym. I'm even not even thinking about what they think about me. At times I'm like thinking like, is anybody seeing this? Like <laughs> how badass this looks right now. But other than that, I just kind of keep my eyes on my own paper and getting myself to the gym. And this is where the book Atomic Habits really helped. So if you haven't read that book, I highly suggest it. Or even just like listening to a podcast episode with James Clear, anything like that, because he offers some really helpful tips. And one of the hardest parts of building a habit is building the habit of showing up. And so for the gym, I think the reason I show up so effortlessly is because I've just done it for so long. It's really the key is, and you probably have heard this a million times, is consistently, consistency, consistently showing up. And that means that I go to the gym at the same time every day and I go at a time that works for me. Again, everyone's going to be different. When I worked full-time in Vegas and I started work at 7 a.m., one thing I know about me is I have to start my day with exercise or else it won't get done. And I also have to go to the gym at a time where it's not crowded. Otherwise, I get overwhelmed and I don't enjoy the experience. So I've had to experiment and see what that looks like. So in the past, to me, that's been going to the gym at 4 a.m. Right now, I'm very fortunate to be able to go at 8 a.m. So I wake up at 7 every morning, make my way to the gym. I'm able to enjoy it. And again, not everybody has that luxury. So wherever you can find pockets for your movement, and then if you have to modify it some days, like if you only have 30 minutes to work out, that's okay. I sometimes know that, like I say, I have an appointment or something, and I still want to make sure that I get my morning workout in because it's a great way to start my day. I will show up and I'll just modify my workout instead of doing like, say sets of, of, um, (laughs) sets of exercises with like 
a minute or 30 seconds in between, I will just kind of treat it like a circuit. I'll turn things into a mini circuit. And so I'll do three or four exercises back to back and then take a 30 second to a minute rest. And I'll just do that for 30 minutes so that the intensity of the workout is stronger and I feel like I still, you know, fit whatever into that. Even if you're not there, even if that's not the case, just show up if you have 15 or 20 minutes to go on a walk or you still can show up and you have 15 or 20 minutes, literally just do a few exercises. There is no certain specific right way to do it. The point is just to get your body moving. Our bodies are designed to move. They love it. It's good for your health. It's good for your mental health. I don't say that there's an absolute should for a lot of things, but when it comes to moving your body, I believe that everybody should have a consistent routine where they move their bodies. So it's really just a matter of figuring out what that looks like for you, trying and experimenting with different things. Back to my love for spin class. I take a spin class every Friday that I absolutely love. It's rhythm cycle because that is like paired to music. I love music. I love my instructor and that gets me showing up every Friday, even though the class is difficult, but it's just so enjoyable because you have the community, you have that music to fuel you. And because I show up consistently, it feels a lot better and it feels better every time I go. Every time I show up in the gym, um, what was it today? Today on the Stairmaster, I was like, God, this sucks. And every time I have that thought, I'm like, that means I should probably do it more often because the more often I do it, the less it's going to suck. And so I don't push myself to the point where it's like, I cannot, I I never want to look at this thing again. It's more so I'll push myself a little bit each time. So I'll push myself a little bit past the zone of comfort. And then the next time I do it, it's a little bit easier. And my zone of comfort has moved a little bit forward. So then I just follow it there instead of trying to push so far past that it's so extreme that you're just like burnt out on it. You don't want to do that. So that's why consistency is important so that you're making, you're imagining like you're pushing a sled just a little bit every single day. After say a year of pushing that sled, think of how far that could go. And you didn't even really have to exert so much intense effort in order to make that happen. You just showed up every day. So I'm going to end this episode here. I hope you got something useful out of it. If you have any questions or thoughts that you want to share with me, let me know. I'm on Instagram at Lauren M. Kendrick. And I would say I'll talk to you next week, but I've just kind of been putting out episodes as I feel inspired. So I will let you know when another one comes out, which again, if you follow me on Instagram, that's the best place to get updates for this or follow me on Spotify or whatever platform that you listen in the the episodes will automatically pull up. But thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you soon and I love you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, I'd love for you to share it with a friend or leave a five-star review wherever you listen. Have an idea you want to pitch or just feel like chatting with me about the episode? Come find me on Instagram at Lauren M. Kendrick. Can't wait to hear from you.